0: I, as probably most of you, except for that young one over there, grew up during the civil rights era, uh, when we had all the marches for uh, civil rights back in the early to mid-60s. And no matter where you lived in the United States, you couldn't miss the controversy surrounding those times. Uh, People like George Wallace, uh, Bull Connor, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, they were all household names. Demonstrations, sit-ins, and race riots dominated the news. We're now 60 years removed from those days. And by most metrics, the racial divide in this country, has been bridged. But in other ways, it seems that no progress has been made in getting the different races to just get along. Can't we all just get along, as it was famously said. The movement currently going on in this country called DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, may sound good to some, but basically, it's just racism in a new language. Basically, to put it in its simplest form, it's a boycott aimed at crippling Western civilization. And they're using the areas of gender, race, and ethnicity to do so. And often, those are all directed and the hatred of the nation of Israel. Now, as for the divide between the races, some of the same people who marched with Martin Luther King, many of whom use the title reverend before their name, I will have you know, I do not use the title reverend before my name, okay? Just pointing that out, just in case. Uh, You didn't notice that. These people continue to stir up animus between blacks and whites 60 years later after they marched. A movement that asked us to consider the contents of a person's character rather than the color of their skin now say, hey, check that. It's the color of our skin that's most important. People who 60 years ago rightfully railed against the discrimination of separate but equal are now demanding separate housing and classes and universities, completely negating what had come before. What is it with these neo-segregationists who reside completely on the left the left progressive side of the political spectrum? It's easy to say follow the money, but it's more than just money to those race hustlers, those charlatans who are holding the very people they claim to be concerned about hostage to their ideology. And if you think I'm being disrespectful to those self-called men of the cloth by calling them race hustlers and charlatans, well, they, they better than most should know that God made just one race. God only made one race. It's called the human race. The notion of different human races, by the way, you know how recent that is? It is really recent. The first scholarly publication on race was in 1684, and that's A.D. and not B.C. Immanuel Kant followed on in 1775 with on the different human races though even he thought all the human races developed from common quote human root genius genus he believed though he called them races that all men came from the same common root even the slavers who plied their trade of human bondage uh, upon the native africans did not see them as a different inferior race but instead rightly as less developed educationally and technologically. They enslaved these people not because they thought they were inferior but because they were available. The word slave after all does not come from African slavery. It comes from the word slav of the Slavic people who were enslaved by Muslim conquerors in the millions and thus added a new word to the English language. We've seen before in our series in Acts that race was not a concern to any of the peoples. When God sent Philip to meet the carriage of the court official to Candace, Queen of Ethiopia, he is referred to not as black though he was black as black could be but instead of using the color of skin it described him as being a eunuch indeed the color of skin is not used in the Bible blatantly but instead when it's referred to at all it's cryptically in Jeremiah 13 23 Jeremiah says In response to something, he says, can the Ethiopian change his skin? The leopard it spots. Now notice what he did and he did not say. He didn't comment on the race. He commented on a, a physical difference. Can he change his skin? You know, in the story of Miriam, sister of Moses, she looked down upon Moses' wife, and it says that Moses' wife was a Cushite. Cushite is Ethiopia. It's Nubia. All these terms are used at various times in the Bible. Ethiopia, Nubia, Cush were all the same place. And Moses took a Cushite woman and Miriam said something disparaging uh, about her to Aaron. And God gave her leprosy, which turns your skin ashen white. And it's as though God was saying, and though this is not scripture, but it's as though God was saying, You are looking down on the black person. We can make you really white here. And he did. He made her white as. Snow, white as leprosy. No one in ancient times considered peoples as different races. Nobody considered people of a different color or people of a different tribe or a different area to be inferior to anybody else except the Athenians and that's what we're going to look at today. Last week, we covered the beginning of Paul's discourse to those at the Areopagus. Um, we covered Acts 17, 23 through 25, and I'll read that just to bring you up to speed. So, Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus, and the Areopagus was a large hill covered in stone that the local council met on top of to adjudicate matters in early Greek history of legal and philosophical matters, but now the Areopagus, the men still met, it was really just about philosophical matters. They were no longer the judges of the country meeting up there. Instead, they talked about religious and philosophical ideas that were coming into Greece. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Today we go on with um, something like the next four verses. But I'll probably read the next five and we'll see how far I got into those. Continuing on, Paul says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this... He has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So, verse 26 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Now, because it's one of my favorite facts of people, tribes, I have told you all before many times that most people's names for themselves, their group that they live amongst is the people, universal. And their name for everybody else is some variation of the other or enemy. Okay? So there's the people and there's the other, the enemy. The people of Athens sophisticated though they were, were not very different. Having been in the first wave of people to immigrate to Greece uh, in the uh, Ionian age, they had no tradition or arrival myth of coming to Greece. They did not know where they came from. Okay, The story was not passed down, unlike the flood story that's everywhere and And uh, the like, the Greeks of Athens, which was the first place settled, didn't know where they came from. Thus, they claim to have been um, Atochthonos, sprung from the ground. Okay? They just, they just, they didn't come from anywhere. God, the gods took them out of the ground and they'd always been there. Because of this, They viewed themselves as superior, and everybody else, and here's not the word other or enemy, they considered everyone else barbarians. Paul shatters that with the statement that God made every nation from one man. No one is superior, no people are innately inferior, this truth removed the false pride of the Athenians and what was for them um, 2,000 years ago is true today. There is, was only ever one race created by God and that is the human race. And for these nations, Paul continues, so God, God made a number of nations and he says he allotted periods And people are unclear on what that means. It might mean that he allotted the seasons for food growth and whatnot, uh, but an awful lot of people think that he allotted the nations periods of time of power and influence, and then they waned, and a new people would rise up. You might notice that Israel had a period of time when they were a mighty nation. It was under King David. You might start it under King Saul, who was a great warrior because of David's prowess there also. But David, the mighty king, warrior. Then his son Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived. And, And then there's declining influence until they are defeated and sent into captivity in Babylon around 700, 600 B.C. And then... The time we're in now, Paul, the time we're studying right now, they're under subjugation by the Romans who have conquered them. Their season, their period of time has has been used as a great people. Verse 27a read. read, reads, I'm going to read 26 and 27a. As he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. And the imagery here I was going to say of a blind man but the blind nowadays get along very well with the technology that uh, enables them to read books, the canes to get around, or guide dogs, and so instead, think of a dark room at night. Okay, a really dark room, and you don't want to turn on. I mean, you don't want to turn on the light, and you have absolutely nowhere where you are. And I know what this is about because we have a couch leading, you know, leading to the bathroom at night. You know, and I will put my hand out and grab the couch and and walk along like this and guide myself so the Athenians are in that dark room Okay, they they have the knowledge of God because all people have the knowledge of a God but they are in a dark room and they do not know God they have an altar to the unknown God and they worship a bunch of other gods but they have no guide to get to the ultimate God. You know, two years ago, I um, found myself groping my way through the darkness. I was staying in a cabin on a long home cattle ranch, middle of nowhere, nobody around, no electricity. Got up in the middle of the night, and because I'm staying in an unfinished, well, it was a finished cabin, but not connected to the bathroom or anything like that, I step out on the deck. Now, I hadn't gotten around to putting up a handrail on deck yet, but it was only four feet, five feet high. So, no big deal. But I I, I step out. The only electricity is 12-volt lighting, but that was a hassle to get on. So, I, I left the cabin with no lights. And I step out, and I notice it was extraordinarily dark. I don't remember ever seeing a night as dark as that night was. And I thought to myself, I can't see anything. That's the last thing I remember of that night. I woke up in the morning in a blood-covered sleeping bag on my air mattress. No knowledge of how I got there. No knowledge of what happened. Did I fall off the deck? There were rocks below the deck, boulders. So maybe I stepped off the edge of the deck and into the boulders. Maybe I caught my foot on the rough decking, because trust me on this, it was rough decking and tripped and fell in, there was a steel hammock frame, you know, the whole hammock. Did I fall into that? I woke up in the morning with broken ribs, no feeling in my right foot, and absolutely no idea of what had happened. Well, this is where the Athenians are in our story today. They are in a dark room. They are groping their way through, and... Paul comes and suddenly wakes them up and they have no idea what has just happened to them. They are beaten. They are being accused of worshiping false gods and not knowing the true God. And they are blindly trying to find their way. Now that I've expounded on that, we'll have to find out where I am. This is what Paul is describing in the Areopagus. The danger of trying to grope one's way to God while relying on false gods. Maybe you'll find him. Maybe you'll find yourself falling to destruction. Verse 27b-28 through 28 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Now, have I ever mentioned that the Apostle Paul was really, really smart? Okay? He was really smart. A rabbi trained in the law and the religion of the Jews. Makes him a, a lawyer and a theologian. But he was also well read because here he is quoting, not scripture, he's quoting pagan poets. Right here. Okay? Okay? Those two lines, in him we live and move and have our being, and for we are indeed his offspring, is from two pagan poets. The first, in him we live and move and have our being, was written by Epimenides the Cretan. Aren't you glad you weren't born in Crete, so you're not called a Cretan? But just that's neither here nor there. And he was writing on the relationship of men to the supreme being. And the, the verses go as such. They fashion, listen to these words from Epimenides, the Cretan. They fashioned a tomb, tomb for thee, O holy and high one. The Cretans, always liars, and that's what they, that was the saying about Cretans. Cretans are always liars. And this is a Cretan saying this about Cretans. Anyway, he says, They fashioned a tomb for thee, O Holy and High One. The Cretans, always liars, evil beasts, idle bellies. But thou art not dead. Thou livest and abidest forever. For in thee we live and move and have our being. That sounds pretty Christian, doesn't it? And it's completely foreign thought to Greek philosophy. The second quote is the fifth line of the poem, Phenomena, Phenomena. I hope there's nobody who speaks Greece here. By Eridus. Okay. And the poem starts. Let us begin with Zeus. Okay. In the Greek pantheon of gods, Zeus didn't inhabit the normal area. He was considered the supreme god. He was not just your ordinary run-of-the-mill god like uh, Ares or Athena or any of those. He was the supreme god. Eridus continued in this poem. So he says, Let us consider Zeus. Never, O men, let us leave him unmentioned. All ways are full of Zeus. And all meeting places of men. The sea and all the harbors are full of him. In every direction. uh, We all have to do with Zeus. For we are his offspring. And look at what Paul is doing here. He's taking this, this pagan depiction. Of their supreme God Zeus. And replacing him with the creator God. In this. So he's saying to them just quoting the line that he did, Zeus isn't the one. The almighty creator God is who needs to be worshipped. Verse 29 says, Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Um, Paul here gives the Athenians the biblical doctrine of man Man was created by God in God's own image. Carved idols and temples made by human hands are an inadequate representation of God. That's not what God is. You could build the biggest statue, no, we're not supposed to make idols, of gold and it would not approximate God. He is not to be thought of as though he was a commodity Even a commodity as costly as gold or silver or as enduring as stone temples. Humanity is made in the image of God. Living, breathing, uh, full of intelligence and humor and conscious as idols are not. And God is all of those things, all of those things that man is, all those things that make up God, uh, make up man as created in God's image is what God is and infinitely more we do we can't describe him properly in relation to men verse 30 through 31 says the times of ignorance God overlooked the times of ignorance God overlooked but now he commands all people everywhere To repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. One wonders at the shock those gathered at the Areopagus must have felt to have their society. Their philosophy, their religiousness, described as a time of ignorance. Okay, The Athenians really prided themselves on their philosophy, on their interest in things of the gods, and of philosophy, and of, of art, and of commerce, and to be described as that this is a time of of ignorance must have been a shock, but that's what it truly was. It was not a time of stupidity, um, a time of willful rebellion. God had not yet decided to reveal Himself to the pagan nations. So, despite the the pull, the desire to find God felt by all peoples the world over, all the peoples were left in ignorance. They did not know. But now, with Paul's introduction of them to the creator God, the God of all, they were no longer ignorant. It would now be up to them to investigate Paul's claims for God. So far, God has overlooked the pagan ignorance, but this is no longer the case. He had been revealed And now he is calling them to repentance and more to worship. God would judge all mankind on this newly revealed standard of righteousness. This is the turning point of history. The long prophesied time when God would call the nations, which meant, in the Old Testament, the Gentile nations, Israel was the people and the others were the That the others, they were the Gentile nations. But this is the time that he's calling the others to the repentance and worship the Hebrew people alone had so far enjoyed. Now, enjoyed might be an odd term for what, what the Hebrew people have gone through in history. But we'll stay with the term enjoyed. So in our world today... People seem to be determined to return to a time of ignorance. I think I, last week I was talking about the death of expertise. But nobody seems to know anything anymore. This is really a time of ignorance. What was preached 2,000 years ago by Paul to sincere but ignorant pagans has now in fulfillment the Great Commission commanded by Jesus Christ, been it's been preached to all men. Okay? It was brand new to Europe when Paul spoke to the Athenians, but now for all intents and purposes, everybody has heard of Jesus Christ. The world over. If there is a pocket or two, there's a pocket or two. But for all reality... Virtually all men are without excuse now for turning away from God. Yet, people have chosen willful blindness over the transcendent truth of God. But knowledge of God, of who God is, who Jesus is, is not the only area... The only arena that neo pagans are returning to ignorance in, they are embracing also uh, pseudosciences, climate science. Climate science isn't a science. In medicine, they have embraced the witch doctory of COVID nineteen vaccinations, and are advocating today. California is talking about reintroducing mask mandates, and. Which have been shown scientifically to have no value. And in the area of race relations, to use their own term of race here, the neo pagans are advocating a return to segregation. Tribes of people, and I use now tribes of people, and I use that as a direct rejection of the concept of race. Tribes of people have always self-segregated. Birds of a feather, you know, all that. The United States is the only country established on the idea of immigration and assimilation. That's not been done. It is an idea that has largely worked, at least until recently. Hundreds of millions of people have come from every part of the world to participate together in the idea of America, because America is an idea that is what animates it. It's expressed in the Latin phrase "e pluribus unum," which "pluribus unum," which means from many, one. You're all coming together; and you're becoming one. And it's not, as Al Gore said back 25 years ago, uh, that it means from one many. Sorry, it was said. It's from many one. Progresses have also flipped that phrase on its head to from one many. But the mingling of peoples of the world was not original to the founding fathers of this nation. It was voiced by God throughout the Old and New Testaments. God's plan for all mankind was that they should live together in peace. And it came together in the uh, fulfillment that came in the person of Jesus Christ and its practical uh, implementation in the establishment of his church. Truly, in Scripture you see, all who put their trust in Jesus were received as brothers, no matter the color of their skin, where they lived, or the language they speak or spoke. As Paul said in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And of course, that does not mean that there is no Jew or Greek, or male or female, or slave or free. It's that it did not matter. Your worth is not mattered by those circumstances. Your worth is measured by your creator. That is the reality of Christianity and of all mankind, whether they choose to accept it or not. As Paul said, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all The face of the earth. Let's close in prayer. Lord, some of us, and I know I worry about it, fear falling into the times of ignorance once again. The time of tribalism reigning over the matters of man. The tribalism that says, You're not one of us, you are the other. You're not one of us, you're the enemy and refusing to accept one another in peace Lord as Christians you have called us all to be of one family adopted into your family whatever color we may be and whatever language we may be as Christianity seems to wane in the West it gains strength in Africa and Asia because It is not based on where we live or the color of our skin or how we speak. We are one church blessed by you to be called children of God. Help us to keep that in mind in these darkening times and keep us focused on the light for there is no need for us to grope our way through the darkness when your light is shining on us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.